Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 302. It is so great to have you here with us celebrating the greatest genre there is. Thank you for being our friend, and thank you for going on this journey with us. A few things off the top we'd love to let you know about. We have a sister podcast called Bleeders Digest. That's D-I-E-G-E-S-T that you can find wherever you get your podcasts. It's all original anthology horror audio fiction. Written and produced by myself and Lauren from the Boo Crew with our incredibly talented friends, filmmakers and musicians, Spider One and Chrissy Fox. At time of release, our latest episode stars House of the Devil's Jocelyn Donahue and Natalie Allen Lynn from the upcoming Pet Cemetery prequel in a story that I wrote about witches. We invite you to go through the back catalog and find other wonderful guests and performers like Sarah Paxton, Bonnie Aarons, Chaz Bono, and more. Moving over to Boo Crew, if you'd like to watch the video version of our show, you can now do that via Bloody Disgusting TV, available on Roku, Sling, Vizio, Smartcast, and more. Check out the on-screen programming guide for showtimes and schedule. All right, on an all-new episode of The Boo Crew, it is one of the coolest movies we've ever seen. It's a Shudder exclusive that you must watch this weekend if you haven't already experienced it. It's an independent film called Hellbender. It is dripping with style. It is so beautiful and unsettling. The performances, writing, and the eye of the camera are nothing short of masterful. It is handcrafted by a family of four called The Adams Family not only wrote and directed it, but they shot it, scored it, created the costumes, and so much more. We get into the family's history and love of the horror genre, the unique visual personality of this new film, the occult magic. Here what's coming up next from them. Come meet our newest spooky best friends and yours, Toby Poser, John Adams, and Zelda Adams, three-fourths of the Adams family, on episode 302, now playing. Magic comes from the fear, fear of death. Every living thing has it. The more fear pumping through the blood, the more power. Made a worm. Are your friends okay? You've opened a door that, once it's open, it can be hard shut. I shouldn't have kept this from you. It was a mistake. I know the truth, Mom. I did what I was taught to do. Winter eats fall, fall eats summer, summer eats spring, and spring eats winter. (laughs) What do you smell? I smell a man. You know why we're called hellbenders? Because we're feared. Have you been in my dreams? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a stunning group of multi-award-winning filmmakers. Their resourcefulness, passion, and unique cinematic vision is really unlike anything you've ever seen. There is a palpable energy to their work that is undeniably striking and terrifyingly unsettling. 
They're behind an independent production company called Wonder Wheel Productions. Now, every single feature out of this banner has made everybody turn to look. And they've been celebrated at the biggest festivals all over the world, from Berlin to Telluride and Fantasia. Remarkably unique is that they are all taking you on this journey as a family, from writing, directing, shooting, costuming, acting, scoring, and more. And not just doing it all proficiently, but breaking new ground. Taking home accolades for Best Actress, Best Motion Picture Score, Best Film, time and time again. Features in the biggest horror publications, the youngest Zelda at 18, even appearing in Vogue and modeling for Gucci with photo shoots with Phoebe Bridgers. Their sixth movie, Hellbender, is available on Shudder now. It is one of the coolest things that we've honestly ever seen. We are beyond honored to welcome Toby Poser, John Adams, and daughter Zelda Adams, three-fourths of the Adams family. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Hey, more than well deserved, and we are so freaking excited. We've seen Hellbender multiple times, and uh, yes, God, we are such huge fans of yours. This is a long time coming for us. Uh, I guess congratulations first on this exciting next chapter in your outstanding careers, and what is a remarkable piece of work in Hellbender. So, just starting off. Reflecting on the horror genre a little bit and where it fits into all of your lives, what do you love about making horror films? Z, you got to answer that one. Uh, Well, okay. Horror films are just the best, to be honest. You know, you have so much artistic freedom, truly, because there really are no rules. You can create your own rules, you can break your own rules, you and you can create your own universes, your own supernatural creatures. That's why we created a hellbender, because we could. It's a horror film, so we can make our own creatures if we want to. And also, the horror community, you guys, you know, are just so fantastic. We made our first horror film, uh, John and I, it was like an hour and six minute long horror film. And we got into some film festivals and immediately the horror crowd just welcomed us with open arms and really paid attention to every single detail that you put into your film. And we've just fallen in love with the community so much. Right, guys? let's, Let's mention right now, Bloody Disgusting was one of the first publications to mention us and we our jaws hit the floor because we love you guys and we did this tiny little movie Zelda and I called The Hatred and you guys put us out there and it was like that's an example of what's so beautiful about making horror is is it is it like an Oscar winning movie no but you guys look at it and you see what's beautiful about it and you talk about it and the horror audience does and it's just a really cool place to play do you guys yes. remember the first horror films that you all saw? Let's start with Zelda. Yeah, you know, I think when I was eight years old, Toby showed me Carrie. And I did definitely have some nightmares for a while, but now I really respect Toby showing me that because I think it was a good movie to get me into the genre. No, for sure. As just as parents ourselves, we, we have four children ourselves. John and Toby, how did you begin to start integrating elements of the genre into your family life? Was it a big decision on what to show Zelda Zelda and Lulu first? Was there a hierarchy that was important to you? Did you have that debate on how early it is to show them the exorcist versus Carrie or anything like that? No, (laughs) I think we we kind of come from the school of, hey, show, don't tell, you know, Um, 
Well, show then tell. It's kind of like get that binky out of your mouth. We're watching the omen. <laughs> what about you guys? For us, well, we're going through that a lot with our thirteen-year-old right now. Um, I showed her the Evil Dead two the other day, and she she thought it was a ridiculous, silly comedy. And she said, I want to I want to see something really scary. So we showed her Fetty Alvarez's uh, 2013 version. She said, that's I want to see more like this. So then it was <laughs> taking of Deborah Logan. And we've started down a wormhole now. Yeah. But now oh, she's awesome. reading Carrie. She's reading Carrie, actually, as oh, we wow. speak. Yeah. So it's exciting. It's super exciting. And what about you, uh, John and Toby? What were the first horror film experiences that you guys had? My soccer coach, uh, when I was 12 years old, took his our team to see Phantasm and it scared the living hell out of me. Like, you know, people talk about people always like, uh, have you ever snuck into a movie? Well, I kept sneaking out because I was scared (laughs) to death, but I didn't want the team to see that I was scared to death. I couldn't sleep for a year. And that is no exaggeration. That movie, The Tall Man still has a massive effect and i needed to go figure out why it scared the hell out of me and i went back uh recently with toby and we watched it and i was struck by what great craftsmanship was put into that movie it's in it really holds up to me it's this wonderful excellent movie i wondered whether it was going to be dated and silly or anything but it really wasn't it was fantastic and how about you toby you know um my it wasn't the kind of thing my parents would have have taken me to. So I went to visit a friend of mine in New Jersey. You know, the people in New Jersey are awesome. They're just like way ahead of the game. And uh, and so we went to and her mom let us go see Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> and so we were like, we are so cool. You know, that was my first one I ever got to see in the theater, you know, and, and I was I, I loved it. Oh, it's still an ending that that shocked to this day. I remember the first time seeing the end of that movie. It's like, oh, back in the eighties when they used to freeze frame on the like most terrifying scene too, and just stay there. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> so, at the heart of this movie, I definitely wanted to talk about this. Is the the mother daughter band that we see in the movie uh, with Mom and Izzy called Hellbender, which must have existed. Even before the film, as you guys did music on Deeper You Dig as well. What was the impetus of the band itself? Is it a mother-daughter thing? Is it the, the whole family involved in that band? How does that work? It's, it's well, we've always been ma- making music together forever since I can remember. I grew up kind of in a band with John when I was like eight. I used to play drums and, you know, John, you know, was in the rock scene and I don't know what decade like when did you? Shut up. <laughs> oh my god! No. <laughs> you're so lucky you're in New York right now. <laughs> no, he's still in the rock scene. So anyway, um, you know, he had a band with Lulu called the Hot Roses, and then he had a band with me when I started getting into drums. And then um, within the past couple years, I started getting more into singing, and so did Toby and Lulu. So that's where the band Hellbender was born, and so a lot of the music and sounds and like guitar and bass and everything like that is created by John who he can literally pump out 10 songs in a day I crap you not it's it's ridiculous and then Toby Lulu and I all sing on it and it's really cool because we're related so our voices kind of sound very similar so when they're layered together it's just I think really cool it's very unique uh, you're right yeah Leo you had a question you. about about the music right 
yeah the the music in the the music in the film itself is really awesome and uh just just knowing that you guys made that i mean what what came first the music in the film or 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 the band so the band came came first and um we were making a video called black sky and we made this editing error and it really looked cool and we thought wow like we could make a movie and use this error that we've made quite effectively for like visions and and stuff because it was very psychedelic looking and we in fact did so the band came first but one of the things that we did once we realized we were going to do this movie hellbender is we wrote uh i don't know maybe 15 songs because it's a good way as you're beginning to roll out a film and beginning to work on it is to learn a lot about it by writing songs about it so we had 15 songs before we shot anything and um and then as we shot we continued writing more music for it um, where, where we thought we were missing things so it's kind of like a it's an organic process that's continually growing as we shoot right like one thing inspires another thing which inspires another thing it's beautiful That's awesome yes, yeah 100% what about what about the look of the band in the film it is spectacular every scene where you see the band there these amazing looks with really amazing makeup and my favorite is Izzy's wearing that sick crown that you find at the shop what was behind the development of those looks uh, we just had a lot of fun with that you know each one has a kind of subliminal message we we you know, uh, or it has to do with where their narrative arc is. You know, in the beginning, my character has X's on her eyes. She doesn't want to see the truth. She doesn't want to even imagine that Izzy can be her, her authentic self. And Izzy has star has a star in her eye at one point. Um, you know, another one, her things look like fangs. When we sing about being a motherfucking mountain, her makeup looks like it's like tarantula fangs. You know, we just had so much fun you know, who doesn't want to rug out with their daughter in the basement? I, I'm like the luckiest <laughs> mom in the world. <laughs> no, it is outstanding. And and I think what you're talking about, all those subconscious elements that are baked into this, we feel it as an audience and it's what makes it hit different. And the deeper you dig was like that as well. And it, you just notice it as soon as you go into the journey, which is fascinating to us. Again, speaking of the deeper you dig, it has this in spades as well, is that attention and care that goes into the imagery. You cannot help but notice it. And as soon as this film starts, it opens with that spectacular hanging scene. It's so rich and filled with absolute dread. And then we cut to the backdrop of this beautiful forest, but somehow you do it through the lens of a nightmare. I don't know what you're doing to it, but it, it just makes you feel off. And then we hit that drone shot following the car and you seamlessly blend the yellow stripes on the road to Izzy in the lake. It is the coolest fucking thing ever. How do you come up with that stuff? Is that stuff you find in the edit? Is that stuff you storyboard? How do you build those images? It's so cool of you to watch our movie so thoughtfully. That just has to be said. I mean, because that stuff is so important to us. It's important to each of us. And so my answer to that great question and that great observation is, again, it's an organic process. Because, for example, Zelda loves moving shots. She loves the cinematography to be moving. I'm more of someone who loves to paint a still picture with the cinematography. Toby is more interested in what is being said by the drama of the cinematography. So in the editing process, you know, we all shoot. We all set up the camera. 
Uh, well, Zelda's the only one who runs a drone because she's the only one who can do that kind of technology. Oh, interesting. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. While she's acting. While she's acting. She's exactly. Like- that's, <laughs> that's something you have to see. The kid <laughs> act while, while she's also flying the drone and trying to hide it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, But anyway, so it's, it is, again, an organic process where we all we all do the physical shooting and then the editing process tells you what what needs to combine with each other. Mm. That said, each person having camera duties, their personality behind that camera, do you see that in the edit and go, you, you, can you tell who shot what just based on looking at what the shot looks like? That is a cool question. Probably, yeah. Like, I, I come from theater, so I love things that kind of look like a proscenium, and I like to kind of maybe direct things as almost you know theatrically right and uh and uh and zelda definitely there's cool movement you know like she's behind that like she's the one who got us to get the drone and to get a steady cam the ronin um yeah that's great if everybody's in the shot and it's a long take she designed it yeah if it's moving if there's motion and lots of motion to it zelda designed it and if it's still and like looks a little bit like a, hopefully like a painting, then I just a lot it. of blood. Yeah. If it's got a lot of blood in it and heads are falling off. The whole movie looks like a painting. So there's no problems <laughs> there, man. Leo, yet another question. Yeah. With the, each of you uh, serving as writers and directors on the film, did each of you get to direct specific scenes or write for specific characters? That's a really good question. I mean, we spent a lot of time just talking about it together, like at the dinner table or while we're eating breakfast, because we are all each co-directors. I would say, you know, if someone really has a specific idea of what they want to have to happen in a scene, they'll be kind of like the the leading director in the beginning. And then once they get their ideas out of the way, it's like, all right, does anyone else have any ideas? If so, you know, here's your chance. And a lot of times we shoot things three different ways because we all commonly have different kind of perceptions on how we want a scene to go. And then when we go home and put it into the computer to edit it, we can see which way it turned out best or combine a mix. Working together as a family, do you guys, I mean, there must be obstacles like, is there any scenes that you guys really fought over or do you guys, is it pretty smooth sailing? Because I imagine our family putting oh, together a, a nightmare. Fam- oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't even imagine. That's a good question. That's, you, you, you have more. Right. You're twice the size of us. So there's like, right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. There's chaos. Six. Right. You know, I can answer that when there's heavy duty violence, Toby wants to cut, cut, cut. And Zelda and I want to roll, roll, roll. So it's kind of like, that's the only time, I feel like that's the only time where there's actually a debate about the violence. Sometimes, like in the deeper you dig, I had a hard time taking off my mom hat in the bathtub scene in the deeper you dig because it was just too fucking painful. I was like, oh, I cannot just as like a mom and, or, you know, I just, I just can't, I can't do it. But then I realized, oh, you know what? Stop being a baby, Toby. You know, it like feeds the story. And I knew that Zelda was like, no, I like it. I'm having fun. <laughs> okay. 
Actually, <laughs> often my imagine my violent imaginations are just too hard to like execute. Originally for Hellbender, we were like, they should be related to Lamia, the ancient like Libyan serpent goddess, and they should have jaws like snakes that unhinge and like drop thunk on the floor. And they should be able to eat dogs and puppies and people should be able to walk right into their mouth. <laughs> And um, and then they should like I had a scene where I wrote a scene where the mom in the cave where she and, and Izzy confront each other. I was like, oh, she's going to take Amber's bone. She's going to take oh. a sliver of it. She's going to make an eye in it with her sharp hellbender tooth and then use her guts as like thread throughout the needle. And she's going to like, you know, sew something with like these. And I said, where's, and I'm, where's all that money stacked? How It's coming in buckets from a 24. Once this is out in the shutters, yeah. put the hellbender. That's where it's coming. That's where it's coming. Yeah. Another thing to mention about this movie. I mean, what, uh, I'll, I'll go to one of my favorite scenes in the entire film. I got a lot, but there's one of my favorite scenes in the entire film is when Izzy and Mom are, are lying down and they have two toy cars between them. And Toby says, if you break my heart, I will devour you. And that, that brings up something that needs to be brought up is that dark poetry of the script is so beautiful. That's not the only, only moment. There's spring eats winter, winter eats fall. There's, I can't get close to people. None of us can. And a, a, a remarkably poignant line for what we've been going through the past few years. Talk about coming up with the script, the work you did on the kinds of words you chose to bring it to life. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you. Should anyone want to go or, Toby, you're like the main writer. I'm really like you. Push the smart one up. Go, no, Toby. no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Say something smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you know, some of it actually, like for things like the poem, like the wolf and, and sheep poem, or even the spells, we actually tried to steep all of those in a very almost childlike, simple, rudimentary language because. We like to, I think when you think about children and you've got four of them um, of various ages, children are so imaginative and like they, they sit and they play with dolls. They, they play in the dirt. They're trying to cast their own kind of magic by it's all make believe and create and creative. And so we wanted to steep our magic and our little spells in the wolf poem in, you know, to something we wanted to make it simple, like almost something you could like, you know, uh, jump a rope to it. I like to say or um, just something you would find, you know how there's like found footage? Well, ours, it was almost like found magic. Like what is at their fingertips? And then obviously they have this innate magic in them as hellbenders, you know, how do we just combine them? Another important thing about that kind of what you're talking about is that is a great way for us not to have to have a lot of dialogue. Like if we can say something in a poem or we can say something like, I can't get close to people, none of us can, and we don't have to talk about all that stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like the audience doesn't have to sit and hear a lot of like talk. Like if you can nail it pretty quick in poetry or in quick little zingers, it just helps the story clip along at a fun pace. The Boo Crew will be right back. For everything known, there is something unknown. For every blessing, there is a curse. For everything holy, there is something unholy. For every evil, there is an omen. Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent. You have been warned.
One of the things that had me so intrigued about this film is the symbology in this film and the visuals. Are they based on actual pagan Wiccan or witchcraft practices? Or was it all made up for the lore of uh, the mother and Izzy character? Yeah, they, we just wanted to create something really original, Leo. You know, we were inspired by reading about kind of badasses in history like Lilith or Lamia or Kali the Destroyer. I mean, that was all just fun. But in the end, we wanted to create something. We wanted to help the Hellbenders mythology to just be super original. And, and we, we hoped that we had achieved that. And one of the hardest things about it was to figure out, like, and we talked a lot about this and it was like, where are they going to get their power? Cause we have to invent their power source. So what's that going to be? They can't, you know what I mean? And so um, originally after doing some research, it was like, we had learned that a lot of mythological kind of witch type characters ate babies for their power. And we were like, Oh, okay, well, you know, we got to do something worse than babies, you know? And, and I think Zelda was like puppies. <laughs> I was like, ah, yeah, no, we're not going to do puppies, but what is it? And then we decided to have fun with the whole idea of the reason people burned witches and hung witches and did terrible thing to witches throughout history was because they feared their, their knowledge. They feared their power. They feared their independence. So then we were like, well, let's just turn this on its head and say, yeah, this is where they get their power, because in history, that is where they got their power from fear. So then it became fun. We were like, OK, how could they get fear out of people? And it was like, oh, you know what? Fear runs in your blood. Like when you get scared, you fear you, you feel fear pump through you, you know, that feeling. And so we we're like, great, that's where fear runs. That's where they're going to get. It. And so it was kind of cool because that was now a rule that we had. Yeah, I think also something that not a lot of people mention is we really wanted to have like a book in it. You know, Izzy gains most of her knowledge from the book rather than from her mother. And kind of like most religions, they have like a sacred text. So I think it was important for us to have a book that would provide that knowledge to Izzy and be like a gateway to that other world that she was missing out on. Who's in charge of doing the props, like getting the props together? I'd say everybody, but I think Toby has a great eye for really cool, iconic looking things like a book. Like if we're talking about the book, that was one that Toby sprung on us. Look at that. It was like, oh, my God, let's shoot today. It looks amazing. You what know? about the crown? Yeah. Ah, the crown. Cool. The crown was made for the movie, without a doubt. It was like we need to have a wonderfully gory symbol of power. Oh, it was so good. Do you guys have it on display somewhere at the house? <laughs> we haven't actually. It's funny. If you, you would love our house, I think. Maybe not. Oh, I bet we would. But, uh, <laughs> yes. We have like a dentist's drill from like the early 1900s that's just torturous looking. Oh, so hell yeah. The, so we put the crown on top of the dentist drill. If you need your teeth work done. <laughs> that's awesome. We have an electric chair. We do. We have an electric chair. We have an electric chair. Wow. We're kindred spirits, I believe. <laughs> so there's another magic at play, though, here on top of this lore that you created with Hellbender, and that's the magic of bringing to life cinematic sleight of hand to make the impossible possible on an independent budget and there's a few key shots that i wanted to talk about and one of them is a key shot the magic of making that key go through the hand is stunning how was that achieved that's our man trey Lindsay. he is our fifth family member we started working with him when we did the deeper you dig because we did want to try to add effects to our uh, stuff and he is a wonderful artist 
who always says yes, you can say, can, can we shoot grandma to the moon and back? And you'll be like, yeah, I can do it. You know, I don't know whether he can. And a lot of times like, yeah, okay. But anyway, we were like, could you make a, could you get a hand? We, we want the, the key to knowledge to come through their hand. And he was like, yeah, I can do it. And he wouldn't mind if I tell you how to do it. It's a really interesting thing. He pushed that key through green paper and then composited it onto the hand. And added like it's all actual there's no digitalness to it it's real blood and real stuff and he's just like a wonderful artist who really pays attention to details oh that's fantastic and talk about the moment when izzy makes the stick turn to sludge or whatever that blood stuff is what a cool effect Thank you. That was done out in the Pacific Northwest. And it took me these guys I mean, <laughs> weeks to get that thing right. I was sitting outside with pine, pine needles and uh, chocolate syrup and sticks. And I was like pulling them through a plastic table. And I it took me so long to get that. <laughs> also, also on the beach and sand. Oh, when, right. uh, you know, when the water rushes up and it always kind of buries your feet in the sand. He was trying to do that with like with like seaweed and stuff. So we'll go, we'll, you know, how how the ocean kind of goes. The the beach goes. Blah, blah, blah. It we, was hard. It was so hard. That was the hardest effect to do. And it's so short. And so I'm so thankful that you even mentioned it because it's like we want things. We definitely want things to look organic rather than like digital splattery. Like we really are trying to make things really happen on film. So that's wonderful that you saw that. And I think the way, another way that you guys do that is by cutting to scenes of like, God, just even, even that a plate with a few of the twigs and berries and whatever they're eating and just focusing on that for a moment, it keeps grounding us back in the nature of everything that somehow makes everything else just feel so plausible and real. I don't know if that, you know, that's something you intended in that, but it is definitely a byproduct of what you're choosing to show us at different times. Oh, thank you so much. Nature is always showing you magic. Like when we, we are big campers and we're big hikers. And whenever you're out hiking, you see colorful mushrooms, you see crazy orange algae, the, the trees are blowing in the wind. And you just feel like, man, there's magic out there that I don't know how to harness, but I can see it. I know it's there. And what's cool about the Hellbenders is they do know how to harness it. Mm. And you show us, you show us through the lens of the camera by sitting in front of that mushroom for a, a, you know, a period of time. And you can see them in the background, but you're showing the nature around it and showing kind of the magic of nature without really having to do anything to the nature. You know what I mean? You didn't have to augment it. You're just deciding what to show us. I got to say, acting wise zelda your acting is truly next level and oh, the the i i got the the one scene the awkwardness and wonder that you capture when meeting amber for the first time is absolutely astounding now not only because you know, she's your real life sister and being able to suspend that and come at her like you've never seen this person before and being able to do it so well and make the audience feel just as uncomfortable as you do. How do you create that? What, what went into that scene in particular maybe and, and what it took to get that right? Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate that. Um, 
You know, that scene was really, really fun because I actually hadn't seen Lulu much for a couple months. Um, and we were social distancing when we were doing that scene because we were in different pods. So it, it did make it easier to have that awkward aspect to it. You know, I was feeling anxious about getting close to her. I mean, John and Toby know I was the biggest COVID freak of all of us. So that moment when I like pull my chair away from her and I'm like, I can't get close to people. That's just me being me in all honesty. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not trying to get COVID if you have it. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I have a fun time putting on different hats and playing different roles. And uh, sometimes like s acting a certain way is a lot easier than others. You know, acting awkward felt a lot easier for me than it was being aggressive more towards the end of the movie. Like it was really hard for me to be more aggressive towards Toby towards the end of the movie. Uh, and I, that was something I really had to work on. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine. I mean, the next time... The one scene when you go back and meet the rest of the gang uh, and we see this, that primal scream that you do is incredible. And what a killer shot, too. Like, just an incredible, everybody must have been on set just go, that is amazing. The look on your face during that scene. How many times did you have to do that? Were you shocked at what came out of you in that moment? That's a fantastic question that no one's ever asked before. So, uh... We were shooting that scene with, you know, three people, Lulu and uh, the, our two neighbors that are really nice and really cool. And, you know, I initially did that scene and it was just terrible because I was really nervous in front of my neighbors. You know, I was like, they're so cool. They're going to think I'm weird acting out this scene and screaming. So after a couple like failed attempts, uh, we were like, all right, I think that they should leave and, you know, just Toby, John and I can be like on set alone. And I can let out a little roar. So it took, how many times do you think, John? It's so great that you remember that because what was so funny is she was there still in the, in the square with the, the circle with the kids. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now you get up and scream. And she kept getting up and just going. <laughs> I was like, Scream! Just let it out. Like, I was like, "Hey, we can overdub it, right?" We can overdub it. I'm like, "Well, why? Just scream!" And she's like, oh, "It's embarrassing." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, oh, I'm sorry. Right, you're a teenager. Let's, uh, right, we'll just do this later." <laughs> but what we ended up doing is we shooed them away, and. I did it maybe four times and then we layered those screams together so it was a lot more blood curdling. <laughs> oh my god, that is so cool. It came out so I mean that's a poster shot right there. That that one's oh, gonna that you. one's gonna be around forever, I tell you. Leo, Aww. you had another question for, for Zelda. <laughs> Zelda, from all the fun things you got to eat, like the worm and all the other bits of fun stuff, which was the tastiest? <laughs> oh gosh. Oh god. Um you know what? Probably the apple juice that the worm was sitting in. There you go. <laughs> oh God. People, people always ask if I ate the worm and I'm like, hell no, hell no. I, I didn't even want to like touch the worm. I felt really bad for it, but it, it lived. Don't worry. <laughs> Zelda had a rule. We had, I had to go out and keep digging up worms because she had a rule that uh, the worm could only be used for about 10 minutes. And then she'd be like, dad, you need to let that worm go. And I'm like, it's a worm. And she's like, yes, it's a worm. 
you need to let it go. Oh, it's a living I, animal. I gotta go dig up another worm. And so no worms were harmed in making this movie. Right? There you go. <laughs> in the beginning of the film with the witches, who are all those witches? Where did you find them? Oh, they're amazingly. Yeah, they yeah. look incredible. That is such a fit. Yeah, yeah, that's such a fantastic question because it's all just like the parents from my soccer team. Yes. So a bunch of soccer moms. Yes, <laughs> I'm a soccer incredible. mom. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. You want to be in our next film? Yeah, we, we soccer totally. moms. Right. <laughs> We're you in. can bring oranges though. Come yeah. on. Cut in half, then cut in half again. Uh, <laughs> the uh, when we talked about that scream too, it reminded me just how remarkable the the sound design of of the film is and the way that you guys treat audio during the dream sequences for instance is a great moment and how it's echoed a certain way and what you chose to again what you chose to show us and what you choose to choose to elevate is very artful and it's very moving to be honest how intense are you guys when it comes to building the sonic world we love building our sonic world. It's uh, one of the things that we strive for and we hope we do it is we'd like to try to have an original kind of sound. And so we're always trying to like listen for something that's happening in the world that sounds really cool and then record it and put it in our movie. And a good example that Zelda likes to tell the story and it's a great story is we were in the Pacific Northwest riding bikes for a lot of this film. And uh, it was raining all the time. So our, our brakes got really squeaky and they'd be like, Ehh! whenever you put on the brakes, one day Zelda's coming down a hill. We were in this old military base and she was coming down a hill through a tunnel. And these brakes are just squealing through this tunnel. I'm like, oh my God, that is like the greatest sound I've ever heard. So I went back down to the trailer that we were living in, got a recording device and recorded it. And those squealing brakes are throughout Hellbender. And that's just like an example of we're always listening to any sounds that are cool, a broken fan, um, an old piano that's that's just broken. But things it, it, we feel that broken, weird things sound the best. And we love messing with the pitch of those sounds. Oh, wow. This is so cool. Leo, you had another question, man. Yeah, the relationship between Mother and Izzy uh, echoes bits of the movie Carrie. Was that one of the films that helped inspire this film? Or what other horror movies served as an inspiration? Well, um, I mean, John and I both love um, the movie Raw. And, you know, we we love that movie. And, and I think, um, like, in the scene where uh, Izzy's kind of chomping on a finger, you know, uh, I think Zelda likes to say... she. She, she we love that scene um kind of like in raw uh oh john and i were watching when we were traveling around in the trailer we watched uh invasion of the body snatchers oh, yeah. one night and that was strangely you know influenced us because it, it was just the idea of something of becoming something that you're not sure you know you're not sure whether it's that bad you know or is it good because you know in the end you know the 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 people who are invaded in, in that movie are like hey it's really nice it's kind of you know it's kind of cool and and so that was strangely influential and yeah i think it does relate to carrie in a way too because in both movies the mom really kind of doesn't want her daughter to grow up and grow out um maybe this one it's a less a bit less harsh but um also one 
movie that we did get inspiration from was The Descent in the end when Toby is crawling through that tunnel. Very claustrophobic, and we wanted to draw a parallel there. There's one shot. I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this shot right now. I think it's in the in one of the dream sequences near the end where Toby, there's a shot of to- just Toby's face in the camera and she gives you a smirk. I don't know if you remember that scene or, <laughs> or finding that in the edit, John, but it is just such, such a killer look from mom and it just feels so real. I, do you guys remember the scene I'm talking about where mom just gives her a... I love it. I love that whole concept of we wanted to really work with that whole idea that hellbenders could look at each other's minds in their dreams because dreams are so fun. And and that's a place that we can all still explore in film is the whole dream world. And it was good just to kind of just dip our toe in that whole idea that like the young hellbender could sneak into her mom's dreams and watch. Mm, so cool. Just a couple more questions before we wrap up. So sorry to take up so much of your time. We just oh, we love it. We love, no, we we love, love talking it. to you guys about it. So the moment when the women see these visions and it cuts to these incredibly artful montages that really come across as assaults, like sensory assaults, where you could frame any little millisecond from those montages and hang them on a wall. Uh, people wearing cloaks black smoke flowing out of them a burning ship for a few seconds there's a burning ship on a lake like just this assault of brain candy what guides you through those attacks we you know we don't have a lot of money so we need to tell big parts of story through visuals and that was the best way to show that these mythological figures had a long and powerful history and we wanted it to be kind of psychedelic and like above one notch above reality because they live one notch above humans. And so we did, we, we were driving around the country and every single time we saw uh, a storm rolling in or a, a beautiful desert or actually swamps in Louisiana, it would be like, put on everybody, get your black stuff on. We're going out and we're shooting in the swamp or we're shooting in this storm. And, and then we got to put those things together really fast and they have a lot of power because they're like, it's because it's nature. Yeah. Why. yeah. 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 It's super powerful. What is that one scene? I'm, I'm th- is it someone sitting on top of a remarkably high lamp for a few seconds? <laughs> is it, what yeah. am I seeing there? That's that a nice little awesome. hint towards where Izzy is at in her progress of pursuing her hellbenderism. <laughs> but that, that scene was really fun. I mean, of course, I wasn't on top of that uh, lamppost. I wish I was. That would be pretty cool. But we did a little editing where, like, we like did a mask of me up there and then put me on top of the lamppost, and we made Toby the old woman that's walking up the hill. And again, it was hopefully just to show that this kid's now a bird of prey. She's like, like just sitting up there, just waiting for who she's gonna pounce on. It was really fun to shoot. Yeah. Any chance that you're all making an appearance at a screening somewhere soon? And uh, will Hellbender perform live afterwards? Oh, man, what a good idea. <laughs> what do you say, Z? I, you guys tell me, are we? We're, we're, we actually were all ready to play and uh, we kind of booked some stuff. And then the re-COVID thing canceled all that. But I think when the world opens up, which is going to be fun for us all, I think there's no doubt that we're going to hit a stage and see what kind of fuzz we can lay out there. And we're going to have a soundtrack coming out oh, this yeah. spring. 
by Ship to Shores putting vinyl out. Ooh. And the artwork looks great. And, and only half the songs from that you know from the movie are, are on it. There's another like 10 songs on it that are so good. So that'll be the spring sometime. Oh, that is super, super oh, exciting. That's awesome. That is so cool. There's a one scene I wanted to quickly ask you guys about in The Deeper You Dig. Well, two things about Deeper You Dig. Is the house that he's working on in Deeper You Dig the house that is in Hellbender that they're living in now? Is that? Bingo! Give that guy oh, a Is it true? No. Is it true? Yeah, I, I just okay. recognize it by the staircase. Yes. <laughs> we tried to shoot it from different angles so that people that had watched the Deep You Dig didn't know that we just reused the same house. But so that's like, cool. From another angle. Because <laughs> it wasn't finished in, in the in Deeper You that's Dig, funny. right? So yeah, it's exactly. funny because in the Deeper You Dig, we were using the house as a metaphor for Kurt being taken over. So the hope was that by the time Kurt's fully taken over by the young kid, that the house was going to be done. And it was like a metaphor for it. But I'm the one carpenter building the house. And, everything, and so, God, it took so long to build. So we only got halfway through it and the deeper you dig. And then it was finally done when we were shooting Hellbender. And we were like, well, let's just let's use the shiny house now. That is so cool. I love it. I love it. And the scene where uh, uh, <laughs> where you are floating, where, where Zelda's oh, floating yeah. above... How was that achieved? Was she on a crane? Was that digitally done to make it look like that? Whatever it is, it is just, that's a, another one. You just put a frame around it and stick it on a wall. That was Trey, our special effects guy. And his, I think his daughter was probably eight at the time. So it's like her little legs dangling. Oh, he, wow. like, you know? And so he, he just, yeah, he made that magic work. And that's in our backyard. So cool, you guys. Well, uh, at that note, I think we're, we'll we'll wrap it up here. Thank you again so much. Congratulations on the unleashing yes. of Hellbender. You are all so inspiring, and thanks for putting amazing things out into the world. And we really hope to speak with you for the next one, which will be. Are you guys working on a new one? Yeah. yeah. It's a mix between Bonnie and Clyde and Frankenstein, and it's called When the Devil Roams. It takes place in the 1930s. So please let us come back on and talk about it because oh we love talking to you guys. God, we cannot That's wait. Awesome. That's the yes. perfect era, too. My yes. God. I cannot yeah. wait to see what you all do with that. Yeah. That is going to be phenomenal. When do you think it for release? And I want to say, I just got to say thank you for supporting us from day one, because that support is fuel to our fire when we didn't know Jack squat and you guys shot us out the cannon and we just can't thank you enough. Oh, and, and Joe wrote a beautiful review on and it. We're just, we we're really grateful and think you guys are bloody awesome. Wow. <laughs> on, on behalf of bloody discussing in the team there too. And, and uh, so we, I, we're so honored. I mean, it's yeah, there's, yes. there's no, no other way yeah. to put it. We're just really honored. When do you think we're going to expect that new movie in the next year or so? Uh, we, we in the fall be done. Yeah, I think, I think we'll be done by October. We've been shooting the hell out of it. Uh, it's really beautiful up here in the Catskills. It's very, it's big, you know, the deeper you dig, we love the cinematography and working in the winter and we love the way it came out in the deeper you dig. So we're kind of back at that really stark, brutal kind of contrast, uh, stuff. And it really looks great. And we have a 1931 Chevy that we're, that's starring in the movie. So it's just been a lot of fun. It doesn't John look good? Yeah, I mean, that, his, I yes, his, yeah. His, <laughs> very <laughs> dapper. <laughs> very dapper. <laughs> awesome, you guys. Well, thank you so much. Yes. Best of luck on the rest of the shoot. And we cannot wait to see it. Thank Thanks you so much, everybody. 
That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 302. Special thanks to our guests, Toby Poser, John Adams, and Zelda Adams. Follow them at adams.family.films on Instagram. And at time of release, see their new film, Hellbender, exclusively on Shudder. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.